Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Eugenie Flexer-Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ join me every week as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. That's what I call Christian genuflexing. Father Brandon Berg, thank you for joining me again. And you got the excellent, uh, I was telling you earlier, the cool little hat that I love that. Uh, what do we say? What, Newsies or Newsboys or kind of like a 1920s hat. I love that. That That's yeah, a good thanks. thing. I like that look. It's really <laughs> cool. It, it goes, it matches, uh, I don't know, over the camera or it looks like it's brown or tan, right? Like a both. Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. So you're all matched up from the beard to the habit to the hat, everything. It's good. Yeah. All right. How have you been since the last time we uh, yes. had the episode? Welcome. Yeah. Good to uh, be back with you on an episode, Roger. Uh, I am Father Brandon Berg, OFM Cap in Denver, Colorado, and I am blessed beyond belief. I've been good. Uh, Lent. Uh, Holy Week Triduum mm. was uh, huge. Uh, stressful busy time, right? You said it was but, very, very busy. Yeah, stressful, but amazingly beautiful. And uh, God provided lots of gifts and graces, and things things happened really well at the parish. And had some time off. We had a meeting, uh, the Capuchin Province I belong to, every Easter week. So the week after Easter, the first week of Easter season, mm -hmm. we have meetings. Uh, this was, we had our meetings on zoom, uh, another time we had them last yeah. year on zoom and this year. So, uh, we're getting a little better at it, but, um, I'll say it was sad not to see everyone in person, but it was nice not to have to drive to the meetings. So, yeah, yeah, that, that is the good thing. And you don't get to drive, but yeah, you would rather be with the people and, and yeah, that's yeah. very understandable. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Yes. Yeah, so it was a very blessed Holy week. Um, Suffering would be because uh, uh, we had a, a uh, I guess some hiccups or, or some uh, suffering that fell uh, upon me, and I'm sure many other people, of course, mm -hmm. and, and whether it would be emotional or physical or spiritual mm -hmm. uh, suffering. So I thought suffering is such a huge category, and it's such a huge topic that that could uh could span over many different turns, and and it, it could go off through just many different avenues. Uh, but I thought that we would kind of try to kind of ring, ring it in a little bit um, and just talk about suffering as far as um, us. Like if we uh, have suffering, because we will have sufferings, uh, that is promised, uh, mm -hmm. whether it be uh, emotional uh, suffering, uh, spiritual or physical ailments uh, that fall upon us, uh, what are some wisdoms from the the early church fathers or the saints or from the church or any advice or any scriptures uh that could comfort us uh in this this time that that we it's easy to despair it's very it's so easy to despair um in that time of suffering whether you're alone or you're going through it with somebody else or somebody very close to you but particularly when it's you when when you're the one that's suffering um what are some things that we can take away from that? Well, that's great. Yeah, thanks for bringing up uh, 
a really deep and yeah. personal topic that can affect a lot of people uh, negatively, you know, and I think first just maybe biologically or humanly, uh, it's completely natural to run from suffering. Yeah. Uh, I do it uh, basically every chance I get. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, my tooth hurts and I call the dentist and, um, yeah. you know, whatever my sheets get stinky. So I wash them, you know, mm. um, and it's completely natural. I think, uh, I don't think there's anything to be, uh, ashamed about for wanting suffering to end or for running from suffering. I think that's completely natural. Um, but, um, you know, with the, with God in our lives, through our baptism, through the sacraments, through grace, you know, we can live a supernatural life. So not just uh, restricted to the plane of nature, but we have access to grace, um, to God's grace specifically, which can give us uh, extraordinary strength in times of suffering. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that's come to me, I guess lately, maybe over the last three, four, five, six months, is that uh, I, I think everybody knows, but it's sometimes the most obvious things are the hardest to recognize is that uh, God suffered. Jesus suffered. Jesus was born. Amen. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he had a lot of good times uh, growing up with Mary and Joseph and working his jobs and eating their food and, you know, going to the synagogue on Sunday or I guess they go Sabbath. <clears throat> Sabbath mm -hmm. is, yeah, Saturday. Obviously, they weren't. Yeah. They were going to church on Sunday. Yeah, they were going to the synagogue on. I honestly don't know as, as much about the, the disciples and, and imagine Peter yeah. you know, with his antics, always messing up. Imagine how fun yeah. that would have been. The Jesus like, oh, Peter, oh, the rock. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, you all right, Father, me. I'm going to trust you. But uh, this is the, the ragtag tag of group. You got Judas, you know, a lot of shenanigans going on. I'm sure it was fun times and yeah, suffering yeah. that he did come upon. Yes. Yeah, but then the suffering came, and and it's uh, everything that Jesus did is is salvific for us. Uh, but the church, the saints, our history has usually put most of the focus on his suffering. And Jesus, we know uh, he he didn't have to suffer. I say he chose to suffer. So I think when when we can choose to suffer to be like Jesus, whether it's something small or whether it's something large or an illness that comes to us, you know, there's great, great power in that. If we can freely accept the suffering that comes to us like Jesus did, we become that instrument for salvation and grace for the world, similar to Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is the, the source of all of that. But we become like a little drop of water for a thirsty world when we can freely accept and choose to suffer. So, you know, that being said, it's still natural to want to run oh, from yeah. suffering and for suffering to stop. Um, and, and that's right. I mean, God gave us minds. Uh, God gave us doctors. God gave us uh, skill to make soft beds and, you know, cool drinks and medicines that cure us. Yes. And we want to use our minds for those things to alleviate suffering. 
uh, especially in, in the poor and in other people in the world and places, you know, in our own backyard where mm-hmm. people might be suffering. Yeah, that, that reminds me because I've been doing the, um, I mean, I try, I, I'm a, a, a bad Catholic or, or, or again, uh, maybe that's a good thing. If you're bad, if you're the bad mm. Catholic, you're good because Catholic guilt, you know, all that, you know, you don't, mm. if you're, but, uh, but no, I, I try to do it every week, the rosary, but the last week or so half, I, I've been uh, making a point to do it every day. So mm. I, I've been doing it every day. And uh, the one about suffering is is, is uh, on the when, on one of the meditations is, is um, it says that you know our Lord um, he, he he sweated blood um, you know they sweated mm-hmm. blood and he wanted to turn away from sin but then brought himself back and say you know you're, you're pretty much your will be done and he brought himself right. back and I think in one of the mysteries it also says like never let um, never let my suffering or what how did it say. Um, uh, don't let my suffering uh, cause me to do any sins or something like that. Uh, mm. Something to, to akin to that as in, even when I'm suffering, cause that's easy. That's another part of suffering is when you're in pain or you're suffering, it's easy to do uh, to, to, to fall into sin, to get mm. out of that suffering, right. Sure. To, to run sense. away. Yes. So um, I find that very interesting. And then uh, I think, uh, what was it? Uh, St. Augustine or, or, uh, I think I think it might have been him where he, he said that he, he he teaches or he writes about how like yes Jesus didn't have to suffer on the cross but that's what he chose to do so like mm-hmm. what you were saying about he chose yes um, some of the church fathers have written on that that it could have been it could have been otherwise it could have been anything uh, mm. but that's how our Lord chose to do it uh, to suffer alongside us and, and show us how to suffer and and I yeah I, I would agree with that part very awesome important is uh saint rose of lima um she i read almost all of this uh biography of hers and it uh it's it's practically unbelievable like how much suffering this lady went through um she wore like a metal plate crown of thorns thing around her head like underneath her veil so that people couldn't see it uh apparently she like slept on like shards of pottery and just put like a sheet over it on the ground uh it just it's unbelievable um but she has this quote that says if you knew the value of suffering you would pray for it Mm. if you knew the value of suffering you would pray for it Right, which uh, which just which just tells me that I do not know the value of suffering because I do (laughs) because I do not pray for suffering. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so that's like uh, that's like a PhD graduate work. I'm probably in like uh, preschool when it comes to preschool. Yes, like oh yeah. So that's why she's a a saint that's loved all over the world, and I'm just some guy in Colorado. When I hear um, the saints, it, it encourages me. And at the same ki- time, oh, discouraged yeah. me. I know. Like, I'm not worthy. Like, there's, uh, like, if, yeah, like, I've read many of their saints. I, I've never heard of that quote. That's a good yeah. one. Uh, but yeah. I've heard similar things from other saints that say yeah. that they, they, they kind of, I don't, I don't, they like kind of, yeah, just fully embrace yeah. suffering or maybe even yeah. look for stuff. You know, yep. it, it's, and it's not, I, I know I've read some other books said that, that just be careful, don't, you know, don't, don't, uh, how does it say? There's, 
don't um crosses will come you don't have to like look for them they will come um but some of the saints uh, allude to that you know some of them like just bring it on so and it might be a hyperbolic language but they're almost like yes just bring it on you know yeah uh maybe a little hyperbolic but they're 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 just showing this surrender to suffering so again yeah i'm with you and it makes me feel like nothing just like oh (laughs) right yeah suffering yeah I, i think the uh the ancient and medieval mindset but like even the modern mindset like if we look at someone like uh padre pio Mm. yeah he had a lot of suffering yeah and he um i don't i i think he prayed i i'd have to go back and do some more reading but i'm pretty sure he 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 offered himself as like a willing victim for the sins of others. Yes. That's like, you know, again, that's like high level stuff. You know, the, that's, I think the ancient uh, mindset of the saints and the modern mindset is, well, crosses will come. So just wait for them when they Mm -hmm. get there. You know, I don't, I think, uh, I think both of those are right. Um, You know, like you're someone like yourself, a married man, you got a number of children depending on you. Uh, I think carrying the cross of providing for your family on a daily basis is enough. Um, but someone like a priest or a monk or religious or some, you know, father in the desert who has only got himself and the angels and God, you know, someone like that can, can take on someone like Padre Pio who, you know, lived in a Capuchin monastery on a desolate mountain in the corner of italy you know that's the kind of guy you want to offer himself up for the sins of others so we've got to we've got to do we've got to do that according to our state in life you know we don't want to disregard any of our main responsibilities yeah yeah because i I could see i could see right now in 2021 with all of our, our our country falling apart and having to support a family of of six a isolated desert life seems pretty good to me. Like it seems like it's like ah, you just seems that seems pretty good. That seems pretty good. Like a, yeah. a dissolution, uh, island, lonely society. I was like Padre Pio, you had it easy. It's like no, no, yes, I know. Yeah, he had a lot of suffering, especially yeah. spiritual suffering. Amazing yeah. uh, uh, dances with the devil and and tussles with the, the dynamic. It, it, yeah, right. a lot. Of, oh man, just some of the stories you read from that. So that's a good thing. Um, to draw from those, those saints, uh, of, of suffering. Um, uh, any, any other yeah. thing on suffering? Yeah, just, yeah. Just have one more thing. I think, uh, a common phrase that we've probably either said or heard or joked about is, uh, offer it up. Mm. Mm. Like when Number suffering comes and somebody says to you, offer it up. Mm. And it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's pretty easy to just kind of, eh, just kind of wave that off or okay god you take it but i think it also has a deep um what's the word not spiritual significance it has a deep theological significance to it Um, because if we look at christ uh in the garden as you talked about with the sweating blood so there was something that on the human level like he did not want to do yes Mm -hmm. but on the vertical level like god was calling him to it Yes. So he was able to offer it up. He's like, offer not up. my will, but your will be done. And it's the same thing in our lives that, you know, on a human level, you know, we're going throughout our day and there's something we don't want to do, but either our vocation or God or the situation is calling us to it. 
you know, where those sort of lines meet, our, our will going across, God's will coming up, you know, makes an actual cross there. Yes. And when we offer yeah. that up to God. Yeah, again, it's sort of like that choosing to suffer like Jesus did, that grace. Uh, I believe we come conduit, we become conduits for grace in the world. Uh, we become uh, vessels uh, for God's spirit to flow more easily into the world when we have those times. And because we can, so when something comes our way that we don't want to do, but we do it, oh, I'm so angry, oh, I hate this, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's like, okay, like it might get done, but God wants us to do those things freely. And God wants us to do those things joyfully. He loves a, we, joy, a joyful giver, right? I, yeah. God and if we offer giver. it up to God, then, you know, then it becomes a sacrifice. And God mm -hmm. calls us to, you know, have, to make sacrifices to him. And, uh, yeah, we're not only supposed to do the right things as Christians, but we're supposed to do the right things for the right reasons with the right attitudes. Yes. So, yeah, we got the hardest one, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's the most valuable and the most beautiful and the most rewarding. So I think it is. I think it is. So, so yes, that's good. If anybody's going through any of that uh, personal suffering is yes, yeah, just remember that, take that into account. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's get into uh, uh reason now. Um, uh, what we'll, we're we'll, gonna do on on three three specific uh, uh, questions. Okay. Uh, the first one would be uh, frequently asked question would be um, by what authority was the church or the life passed down after after Christ, of course, um, instituted? You know, he gave uh, um, to the apostles and through history. By what authority? do we look for? How do we know who has authority in a church or yeah, like in a church or uh congregation? How, how do we know who has the authority? Who, who holds that? And, and how, how do we, how do we point that out? And who has authority and by, by what authority did Jesus give the church after uh, he went back into heaven and send the Holy spirit, Holy spirit on the apostles. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, yeah, that's a great question. I think similar to suffering, I think you could write uh, volumes and books and yeah. whole shows on this one topic. Yes. But my understanding of it is that uh, obviously Christ uh, being God is the is authority itself, yeah. <laughs> authority in a, in a living figure of a human being. So he was able to share that authority with his apostles, uh, making them um, not just priests and not just bishops, but like these 12, uh, they had a specific role that like no one else ever had and will ever have in the church. They were able to go anywhere and establish any church <laughs> and teach directly as Christ taught them. And we see that, you know, with uh, Thomas going to India. Um, I think it's Matthew and a couple other apostles going to Africa, uh, Peter and Paul going to Rome. Uh, who is a John, uh, I think was in Turkey and then on Patmos for a while. And all these places have their own apostolic traditions that go all the way back to these teachings of the apostles. And they were there with Jesus. They were able to establish uh, his teachings uh, in correct way, in correct forms, but in different ways, in different places. You know, the liturgy of Rome is not the liturgy of India uh, or uh, Africa or Jerusalem. Oh, <coughs> so there's these different forms of the liturgy, but it's that same truth uh, that they were able to carry with them wherever they went. 
And my understanding is that, you know, they've, the apostles uh, passed that down basically through, um, well, a couple different ways. I think one is through ordination. They were able to make more priests and bishops with, that had the same authority that they had uh, in a different way. There'll never be apostles again like that. After that, they were bishops yeah. uh, handing on uh, the, the apostles got to start the foundation. The bishops only hand on the foundation. Uh, but there's also the authority of scripture. Scripture is like the number one authority. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't, if it doesn't agree with scripture, you either got to change it or point to some long-standing tradition mm-hmm. or check yourself because yeah. <laughs> author- uh, scripture is the word of God. And that is yeah. uh, of the utmost and supreme authority in the church. And then after that, the Pope uh, and the magisterium is, the supreme authority the pope is like the vicar of christ he stands in the place of christ if you know if the pope says it it is basically <laughs> so um yeah and not not just says it um there are ways from the, the what is it called from the the chair of peter mm-hmm. uh, ex cathedra ex cathedra or ca- yes yeah, yeah from so the, those, from the those statements uh, official encyclicals and yes <clears throat> Not just off the cuff in the plane or nothing like that. That's, that's good. That, that could be another. I was almost going to be a question. Right. But yeah, some people yeah. think every single word, but no, it's it's no. it's ex cathedra yeah. from the chair. Yeah, but right. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll apostolic succession. So then that that's the pretty much the key. The uh, I guess you would have to ask like, does this church have apostolic succession from that and from that are that is in line with uh, with, with the universal church? Um, so yeah, because the way I like to kind of like, I don't know if this is a good analogy. You might, uh, see if this is, uh, one, that's not an analogy. It's what I like to say is pretend like an alien came down here, right? Pretend an alien came and, uh, you know, they're aliens. So they, um, they know nothing of earth. I let's just say they know nothing of Jesus, God, nothing. They're just aliens. They come to this earth. They have no dog in the fight, no dog in the fight. They don't care, but they're investigating this and they're like, wait, there's this religion, you know, there's this Christianity. And so, if, if they're aliens, uh, the way to find from their perspective, you know, if they don't, even if they don't believe to find, okay, well, where's the church that Jesus started? You can go from Jesus, the apostles, the first century, second century, third century, where's the visible, the visible church, right? Where's the visible church throughout third century, fifth century, sixth, up all the way until 2021. And, what what stands out what church is one still around uh what church is the same dna now is it going to look the same no just like a baby you know infant toddler mm. you develop mm. as you should every church should develop so of course doctrine is going to develop uh, if a doctrine comes like oh a doctrine came 500 years later that doesn't really mean nothing as because doctrines develop the church a church developed it's not going to look this exact same 2000 mm. years ago but what is uh like the didache uh you know the didache mm. one one of the mm. earliest uh, uh, Christian writings other than the New Testament, uh, they talk about a church. And if you read that, uh, it's very telling of like, whoa, what church kind of looks like that today. So if you're <laughs> an alien, you go through the whole first century all the way up into this century. And you're like, where is that church? And you can trace it. You can start from the beginning, go up or start from now and trace your way back. So I like to kind of tell people that about like, where is that church? Because then you can si- find apostolic succession uh, because not every church does have, I mean, a, a lot will claim, I think most, pretty much all of them claim apostolic succession, but what historically that a non-believer, an atheist or an alien would would uh, say, would even if they disagree with you, would say historically, well, yes, that is the church that they believe in. So I don't know, if, does that, is that a, 
have you ever heard that or is that uh, uh how does that work does that sound reasonable yeah. or logical or i know like somebody mm. like uh take somebody famous like scott Hahn, mm. and i think he has a talk called the church fathers made me catholic you know so he belonged to these protestant sects and he thought they were all with it and then you know he's a super smart guy so he's oh, devouring yes. books and reading and then mm. i also know someone there when i lived in san antonio i met a woman who uh was church of christ or church of christ and god one of the two mm -hmm. and uh she noticed some of the discrepancies in her church like mm -hmm. she asked like what's a deacon and they're like well we don't know <laughs> oh. and then she asked some other church and they're like oh the deacon's this and then she read the scriptures and it's like the deacon in the scriptures none of those things in here yeah. so she started reading the church fathers and it took yeah. her a couple years but yeah she was um uh, well, she had already been baptized, but uh, at the Easter vigil, she came into full communion. I guess it was about four years ago. Glory be to God. Thanks, God. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I church think, fathers. Uh, what did the yeah, early the, What did the early church think? Like yeah, in the second you, century, and the first century. Yeah. yeah. If you read them with an open mind um, and have some interest in knowing the truth and following Christ, you will. Be led yeah. to the Catholic Church. Dr. Scott, I call him Han Solo. He's an amazing. He's a, a I think he's still teaching in Steubenville and and the Franciscan University. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, and in, in, uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville. Uh, Dr. Scott Han. Uh, I mean, many, many, many books. Uh, the Lamb's Supper is a good one that he has. Um, there's a one, one that I have. I think it's called like reasons to believe i believe or something like that but yeah he had a prolific writer yep. uh, excellent dr scott Hahn. yes um all right though so the second question um uh if you give us some context of uh deuteronomy uh commentary or like what's the context like what's the mm -hmm. yes what's the context context of of uh, uh deuteronomy uh 28 uh verse 68 um I don't know if you have it pulled up. I don't know if you, you have it uh, pulled up yeah. or anything. If you want me to read um, the scripture verse. But um, yeah, it's Deuteronomy uh, 28, uh, verse 68. Um, any, any, any commentary you have on that or, or kind of explanation about the context, context of, of, of what they're talking about in this, the book? Well, uh, I mean, just in general, you know, Deuteronomy is about the law. Hmm. Uh, it's the last of the five books of the Pentateuch. Um, and it's uh, the main parts are these three long uh, speeches by Moses, uh, exhorting the people, giving the law, telling the story. Um, you know, a lot of it talks about uh, the blessing and the curse, like trying to get yes. the people to follow God, which I think is part of the uh, part of the context also of chapter 28. Yes, that uh, actually is the the curses is, is is the yeah, right. That's, that's Blessings right. are promised to those who observe God commandments and curses are threatened against those who choose against God's commandments. So the the ship, let me let me read this. I pull it up Deuteronomy 68. The Lord will send you back to the ships to Egypt on a journey. I said you shall never make again. There you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, and no one will buy you. So the context of the question is, um, and again, I, I didn't actually get, uh, this question was posed. I, I think I, maybe I should have got like exact, like what are, are you asking? But I'm, I'm going to take a, a leap and say that the context, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to live and say the context is, is that is points to 
supposedly a prophecy of the uh, transatlantian uh, slave trade that happened like thousands of years later. Uh, so I think that's where they're getting at uh, with the question, because there are some uh, denominations um, that believe that that is like a prophecy that was filled in specifically uh, American. Uh, it's specifically like an American prophecy. Um, the only thing I would say would, would be that hard for me to, to, to kind of connect the two is that that's like a that's a big claim. And I think. Uh, we should be careful about, uh, yeah, yeah, of course, answer questions and stuff. But we all have, to, we also have to say, um, uh, I don't, I don't believe we uh, have our, our traditional, our mainstream uh, Christians have the, the uh, what do you call it, the burden of proof because we're not the one making. Like that's a pretty big claim, you know. I'm not uh, discouraging any denominations or, you know, I'm just saying that's a pretty big claim to make that that Pacific verse. Uh, tells a story of of the transatlantic uh, Atlantic uh, trade, uh, a slave trade, uh, particularly in America, and that's how the lost city of uh, uh, the lost tribes of Israel spread out. Because wasn't it like I think even in Kings or, or uh, Solomon or the Kings, or even uh, Jeremiah, I believe, prophesies about like uh, um, going to Babylon and like it was going to be like seventy years. Um, and then there's even some theologians that say that that uh, prophecy was already fulfilled uh, during like the AD, like 68 to 67 to like 80, 70, uh, when the emperor with uh, Vespian, who, who had the son was a uh, Titus that he when they destroyed the temple and they disbanded the Jews, even uh, some of the Jews were killed. Some of them were, were taken into slavery, like back in Egypt. But that was during like the AD 70s, okay. you know. Um, so a lot of <coughs> theologians would say that that was already fulfilled for that, but also too, in the context of, of there, uh, we gotta be careful because I know sometime one, one time somebody told me something about like Chris, uh, Christmas trees are against the Bible because in, in the old Testament, it says, don't get a tree and put, you know, things that you, I don't know if you heard that one, but I was like, well, I don't think the Leviticus was literally talking about christmas trees in 2000 you know in, in the 17th century or whatever right. so we do got to be careful about that so that's yeah but like you were saying deuteronomy it, it's it's moses to the people mm -hmm. right it's moses it's the book of laws it's the book of uh covenants to jump from that to make uh, assumptions or assertions that it's this thing that thousands of years ago, uh, you know, slavery has been around for years and years and years. Oh, and, okay. and and to make a leap that far, uh, if that's what the question is getting at, which I, I'm assuming it is, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but just in case, that's why I'm making that that preface. It's like, hey, yeah. uh, this is what I'm, this is just the context of the question. Uh, so yeah, do, do, like you said, the Deuteronomy is, is part of, of Moses is, you know, giving this, is trying to build his people up. And how do we be how do we be careful in, in context like you see how people can make conclusions from this and it's like how do we do it or how do we say when we say hey what is what is that passage actually speaking of like what is it actually speak what is the whole book about not just a few words that you can take to any in anything and Right. Turn it into something, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple things there. Is the the church has been interpreting scripture for a long time, um, so we can compare how those verses have been understood uh, throughout the centuries. That's a big help. And then we always want to read uh, scripture like in the whole context. 
So yeah, you can make the Bible say absolutely anything yeah. you want. If you just take out the verse out of its context uh, with nothing around it. Yes. So yeah, be careful of, of those kind of bold claims. And, you know, I think the, the important thing is, is salvation, you know, and, and, the, and the scriptures teach us everything we need to know for salvation. Yeah. yeah because if, um, if, that, if, if that becomes too distracting, then I think we've missed a point. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Context is everything. Like I said, we can make anything look, look at anything, but that's the important thing that you said is like, what did the, what did the early church, especially I, I would be cautious of, of, of a claim that somebody makes if it's a very new idea, like if you look, wait a minute, St. Augustine wasn't talking on this, Aquinas wasn't mentioning, the Arenaris wasn't, you know, if especially of a claim is like fairly new, that's like less than 100 years old, and you're like, wait a minute, the, the early church, nobody ever believed that, like no, nobody was was speaking that in the second century, in the third right. century, in the fourth century, nobody was making these claims. Uh, so I think that's another tool is to like match it up with with history and say like, hey, are the who's been making these claims and like where did they come from? And if you look and discover that you know some of the claims were coming from you know let's I don't know let's just say 1967 in Chicago, Illinois. I don't know, just yeah. you know maybe maybe that that's something to be you know cautious about if if it's very new. Well, that's a good thing. Context is everything. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, last question on the faith is um, kind of ties to that, like interpretation, interpretation is, it's very easy to read the Bible and say, uh, uh, how will we, how do we read this? How do we read this scripture? So if you could just quickly, uh, just a little simple, little short, little, um, how do we know when we read scripture that it's not our, our own misleading or maybe um inclination inclination interpretations versus what actual uh, scripture or god the church is, is trying to say mm. interesting yeah um i think the the first like most basic thing to come to mind that one thing that really helped me is um i think the book is well, I forget what the book is called, but the author's name is Luz, uh, L-U-Z. And he said, uh, basically, you know, any interpretation of scripture that leads you to greater love and charity is in some way valid. Mm. Mm. That's the whole point. Uh, what did Jesus say? What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you get something out of scripture that causes you to do that, then it's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, because after that, we can. Salvation yeah. history is about, you have to read, know what the Bible is in a whole. That, that's a good, that's a good tip. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up this uh, faith reason to geek them. But uh, real quick, I just wanted to ask you if you, if Father Brandenburg had a superpower, what would it be? What would oh, your man. superpower be? If I had a superpower. I'm pretty sure it would be flying flying i think flying is just like the coolest thing like it is it is right you could leave the, you could leave the traffic behind you could <laughs> well not me because i never mind i take it back i i'm afraid of heights so okay not oh. me not me flying not me. i like okay. that's cool yeah 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 I, I get it i get it uh my my would be i would uh, uh super strength i, I would have super uh -huh. strength 
Um, I mean, I could pick up a lot of things. I, yeah. I can move uh, furniture with an ease. You know, the only bad thing <laughs> is that everyone will be like, hey, I'm going to move to a new apartment. <laughs> can you help me this side? That's the only thing. So I'm already coming up with, oh, well, that it would be superpower. But uh, uh, yeah, that would yeah, be my so super superpower strange. and flight. Like That's great. I like that. Yeah. There's a good combo right cool. there. It's just start a dynamic yeah. duel. All right. Well, Father Brandon Berg, once again, thank you for joining me for uh, Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. Yeah. I'm your gentleman, Flexor Roger. And please uh, go ahead and check out uh, Father Brandon Berg's other podcast that he co-hosts, uh, Brother Huts. Brother Huts. So check them out. Um, any last words you want to say? God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in. There's a lot of podcast options in the world, and uh, we appreciate yes. uh, your support. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And Godspeed. All right, Roger. Thanks for having me on. God bless you. Thank you. you. Bye-bye.